Patriot power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1-900-HOT-DOG, America's last comedy website. Rest in peace, comedy. I'm a kind of European that never existed, Robert Brockway. And with me is my partner who communicates exclusively via Power Glove. It's Sean, baby. I'm so bad. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, You need a little more robot. I'd be like, I'm so bad. So bad. (laughs) And our guest, the sparkling diamond at the heart of our podcast. Which we use to power a laser that burns animals. It's Lydia Bug. Hello, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. <laughs> that is perfectly impossible, so it's great. It's here. <laughs> if you hadn't guessed by now, this is the Congo podcast. Uh, there's a, somebody in our Discord that does a ritual every single week for us to do this. Uh, it worked. You did it. You did it. Oh, I, did, and I, I didn't know it was so in demand. <laughs> and I swear to God, if you didn't do it today, I'm going to pull the podcast. I'm going to rip it right down. <laughs> we'll just put so we, 90 minutes of fucking dead air on the internet. Everybody will know you failed specifically. Anyway, now that we have just specifically called out one of our fans and sicked the others on them, uh, we we figured it was time because Lydia... Uh, There's something very special about Lydia. She had not seen uh, the 1995 ape road trip comedy Congo, but she had read the book like a nerd. Isn't that right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I got really into Michael Crichton and read all of his books. Well, not all of his. I read like five or six Michael Crichton books in a row and then never read another one again. And like the second one I read was Congo and I loved it. (laughs) I thought it was a really good book. Um, I liked it too. One of my favorite Michael Crichtons, maybe. You read it too, Sean? I do. I've, I think I've read all of Michael Crichton's like pre-1999, probably. Was that before or after you saw the movie? Uh, before. I saw Oh, I, so you I, have I, the same experience as Lydia, just more time yes, to I, process. I was not it. expecting the lasers. And Emotion. I think my first reaction was like, no, yes. Like, I, the lasers was a good choice. Like, I don't usually like stuff to get changed so dramatically. Uh, I'm not like a that type of nerd, but but if but if there's a change that big, I'm like, why did they do that? And then I realized, oh, because then they can shoot all the apes with that laser. And I thought, uh, yeah, that's a good decision. Why that's did they do the right all eight of these subplots at the same time? <laughs> why why would they do that? <laughs> See, for me, the movie kind of gaslit me into thinking, like, was the book bad? I don't remember. And then I like looked up the Wikipedia plot for the book and read it and tried to like remember the book better. And I'm like, no, no, no. Much of this did not happen in the book. (laughs) Certainly, certainly Tim Curry's accent did not happen in the book. And that's why it's it's lesser. I mean, my God, I, I kind of live in fear of exactly what happened to Michael Crichton here and that he wrote just his damnedest. He wrote the best he could. And then somebody else wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. and did it so much better. At least that yes. ending. That ending is just like, you got to be sitting in the theater watching that for the first time going, fuck. Oh, why did, fuck. Why I'm didn't I put lasers in? How I'm never working in this town lasers? again. 
This guy took it. He's Michael Crichton now. Yep. <laughs> well, he wrote the book in 1980, uh, and it took 15 years to get it made. Um, but Fox actually optioned it before he finished the book. He's like, guys, I got an idea for a, a, a book about gorillas. And they're like, we're, we're in. And they were going to let him direct it. Like, he was all on board. And... And then it just came, it kept getting delayed because he demanded Amy be played by a real gorilla, yeah. which is insane. <laughs> so that it just never happened. And eventually they just uh, made it without him. But like, how much better would the movie be without the gorilla puppet? <laughs> like he was right. It yeah, shouldn't it, have. It would have been better with a real gorilla. There's a few, ass, there's a few, a few hints that this wasn't going to work. And then. It's that nobody checked to see if a gorilla was even allowed to be in a movie for six <laughs> years after giving him $1.5 million to write this movie. So it wasn't until like that was 1979 where they where he came up with an outline for the screenplay. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it was so he and Sean Connery could work together again. He wrote Ernie Hudson's role just for Sean Connery. Right. So if you're wondering why Ernie Hudson is uh, Sean Connery in this movie, that's why. <laughs> Uh, he is doing a weird Sean Connery impersonation. It's uh, he's doing the best Sean Connery <laughs> impression I have ever seen, and he also Michael Crichton also wanted we've got to the tools and we've got the talent. <laughs> he also that's wanted if, to. That's if Ernie Hudson was playing Sean Connery in Ghostbusters. That's the impression oh. I was doing. <laughs> that's why that There's was so, so many layered. layers to that. Yeah, it's going to skip right past it because I did not get it. Glad, <laughs> glad we screeched to a halt. Power perceived is power achieved. That's Ernie Hudson as Sean Connery and the principal. It's a big marshmallow ghost. I don't know why it's from. That's for, yeah, that's from Ghostbusters too. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's word for word, that line. That's what Sean Connery said. Nobody nobody remembers Ghostbusters too. You can't prove me wrong. Uh, he, he wanted to riff on King Solomon's mind, but he was also very keen on research uh, on sign language for primates. So he figured, surely I'll find a way to work those two together. And that's that's how the outline for this movie came to be. And he, when he pitched it, they bought it. And then six years went by, it was, as he insisted, we got to have a real gorilla for this. And everybody was like, I don't want to work with a real gorilla. And they never entertained <laughs> it. Finally, somebody was like, okay, we'll get a gorilla. And then, only then in 1986... Uh, I have his quote here. We went into pre-production. So they, they started, you know, making mm-hmm. the movie and discovered that there were no gorillas at all anywhere in the world, which were available for work in a film. There are some gorillas used in research. We attempted to hire them and we couldn't. <laughs> gorillas aren't like chimps at all. They are an endangered species. That's I just like to imagine that they said no because they could speak in sign language and they were like, I do not like Michael Crichton books. <laughs> Amy hate Michael Crichton. Hate Michael Crichton. <laughs> just Michael Crichton. Also, this nearly destroyed uh, his entire mind. My favorite thing about Congo is how much fun it looks like. Like, I swear mm-hmm. to God, when I saw the movie, hadn't read the book, had no idea. Everybody showed up here doing whatever accent they wanted. I'm convinced they just improvised not only all of their lines, but the entire story. And, uh, and, and it looks like a blast. Like everybody's just having a, a whole lot of fun. And I couldn't imagine a scenario in which this whole thing was carefully planned. But uh, the, <laughs> the $1.5 million they gave Michael Crichton to write this 
uh, destroyed his mind immediately. <laughs> and he said he, he became not only blocked up on this, but every project. Uh, he retreated to an isolation tank and he spent hours and hours and days and days in this iso- isolation weird. tank building the entire story for Congo while floating in a black void separated from his body. An experience <laughs> which he describes as torment. <laughs> and I love that the story is like King Solomon's mind with gorillas. It's like this is they go to the jungle and there's some gorillas and there's treasure. He cracked it. Got it. <laughs> On the How way do I there's other hardships. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's what's cool about Michael Crichton's books is that he he does like technical jargon really well so that it sounds mm-hmm. real. And it's actually interesting to read. But I don't know why you need to separate from your body to do that. It seems like that would be something that would just be right. you researching for hours and hours. Not like like it has to have been story stuff, right? That he was floating in this tank to do. And the story of Congo is not great. <laughs> Right. It's the other stuff that makes it good. So he's just like torturing himself for nothing. <laughs> this is what it took. He had to remove himself from reality and become one with the void to come up with with monkeys to have an adventure. Why would he tell anyone that? Like I could see thinking like, oh, my process is so interesting. But if you throw out everything good, which is what he must have done, or or, or just like, hey, I, yeah, I put myself in this tank. They're like, right, but you just wrote King Solomon's mind. You're like with gorillas yeah <laughs> right but, but I that, did that's it, the like, thing it was the gorilla in a pod in a weird pod like, okay, okay. I, I have a little sympathy for him because imagine just winging it in a meeting and you're like ah, i i got something i got something that's like uh king solomon uh with gorillas and they're like 1.5 million dollars you're like Listening. fuck sure. Sure. <laughs> that, um, that is more what, than my idea is worth what else is it about I couldn't possibly imagine. I, <laughs> you can't. You can't ask me that question. Uh, this eventually, he pulled the plug after that. That he, after he realized again, his actual quote: "Gorillas aren't like chimps at all. They are an endangered species." He, it took him six years to realize that, and he dropped it immediately. He pulled the plug. We were going to kill eleven of them, minimum. <laughs> they were going to. Yeah. They were going to hire them from research centers. Like yeah, you rent them out, right? But you, you guys, like fifty like bucks. We makeup on them. Like you, you can't like screw around with our gorillas. <laughs> but uh, maybe I can. If, uh, Benjamin Franklin has got anything to say about it. Do any of them know how to work a parachute? <laughs> just, just... Like, listen. Did he I almost died in an isolation for... tank. Did he just want a gorilla for Amy? Because there are so many gorillas in this movie now that I'm thinking about it. Like, even like the good gorillas, there's a whole, like, (laughs) all gorillas. The most gorillas ever in a movie is what I want. He's not just like, I need a gorilla. He's like, I need 56 gorillas. (laughs) And some of them have to be evil. Get shoved into lava. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them have to be evil. It was, uh, he pulled the movie, he walked away. It was just, it was real gorilla or no gorilla, which is, this is the origin of that phrase, real gorilla yeah, or no gorilla. They, they offered the movie to Spielberg and even John Carpenter, uh, who both struggled with it and decided Congo was too much for them. <laughs> and uh, it finally went to this guy, Frank Marshall. Uh, he's not like... Some chump. Uh, he's one of the founders of Amblin, Steven Spielberg's home production company, who have done massive, skilled 
really good ambitious films. And the guy who wrote it was John Patrick Shanley. He won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay in 1988 for the film Moonstruck, which is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love Moonstruck. Yeah, Moonstruck. I lost my hand. Just... <laughs> I lost my wife. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his wife. <laughs> now, now do it as Ernie Hudson as Sean Connery. <laughs> I, I lost my hand. I lost hand. my hand. I am oh, becoming so a monster. Oh, my wife. Oh, it's like <laughs> harmony. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, and this was this was only like a couple of years after that, 1988 to when he started work on this that took a very long time. He wasn't like burnt out selling his soul to Hollywood. This was fresh off of the thing that won him the Oscar. And he went and he wrote and he wrote this and Frank Marshall, who knew better, directed it. And it was it's just and then they they were they were convinced that uh, it was specifically the ape technology you see in this movie, the final product of this movie, that convinced them now is the time. <laughs> they they saw Jurassic Park and they just said, "Okay, surely we can do that with apes." And Did you how- um, find the LA Times story in your article where they like revealed the ape to uh, the? executives yes and the, they it says okay it's i don't know how much i believe but it says that they just said meet our new star and open the door and an ape came in and all of the studio executives like jumped up and kind of backed away like oh shit loose <laughs> loose gorilla i knew this day would come i've been prepared i that i have also i have that in my notes where it's like this pos- they can't possibly be true but like what a world it must have been where anyone anywhere believed it and like wrote it down in an article that these studio executives thought the gorilla was real like so the same gorilla we see in the movie, though. You're sure the one that Amy, is that looks like Amy a mockery of gorillas that looks like it's uh, science making fun of gorillas. And like this is a person who lives in Hollywood and is used to seeing animatronics like all the right. time. Didn't recognize this as an animatronic. This the gorilla. <sighs> uh, it's incredible, and p- perhaps the biggest twist of Congo is that it cost fifty million dollars to make, which in nineteen ninety five money was a billion dollars. I don't yeah, a lot, very a, very, a very expensive movie, and it it only grossed one hundred and fifty two million. It was a massive, massive success. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine going to see that, expecting Jurassic Park and getting that gorilla? And then telling like, all of your friends, you have to go see this. It's the best <laughs> movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It just, that I kind remember of making fun of this so much. Like, we left the theater just thinking that was such a shit movie, but but really enjoying how, uh, like, the big decisions, like like the lasers especially, just like, like they threw an ape out of a fucking plane. Like, oh my god, okay. that shot is <laughs> when they jump out of the plane with the ape. Like, I'll remember that forever. See, I rented it when me and my friends watched it again, expecting like a like a horror movie or something. And I I, I laughed so hard, I feel like I might have passed out a few times. <laughs> and it was just the it was like instant love. And I, I think this was like 1996, yeah. and I've been completely in love ever since. It's no wonder it made hundred. <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. When even people my age, when I talk about Congo, nobody's seen it. And yet it was like the biggest film in the world for a time. Hollywood should have just been beating. Well, they, they were beating monkeys to death for this movie, but <laughs> they should have been beating the premise to death. It should have just been nothing but women lasering apes for like six years after this. God, I wish. Do you think that they thought it was a little bit of a comedy, at least, though? Like, there were definitely jokes in it, 
So I and they let Tim Curry do that voice. <laughs> they might they might have assumed that like what everybody was losing their shit. They're like, oh, that he that one liner really landed. <laughs> Instead of just the ape doing a flip, like they might have just been like, they must still be reeling from from Laura Linney saying like, put them on the endangered species list. Or, yeah. Or like when the guy gets a leech on his penis, I'm like, okay, that's a joke. Like You're they're probably doing still jokes, thinking about maybe. that. That's why they're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has that nineties thing where like every line is kind of trying to be too big and too like zany and funny, but like the tone of the movie is not that. So again, it's just it's it's so weird. The tone of the movie is very much we're going to save these noble creatures. Yeah. <laughs> and then there there are like two noble creatures that they they pro- they propose to save. And then there are, well, I want to say like 50 that they just laser into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> Which are more endangered. Which are more endangered. <laughs> They're the most endangered. Like new species, fucking see you in hell. <laughs> There's a... I was oh, going to go talk ahead. about how uh, th- this movie opens on on Bruce Campbell's expedition, and it has like this very long like glamour sequence of satellites and communication towers because making a phone call from the jungle in 1995 is something that like audience would have been like yeah, pure Come science fiction. Fuck on, get out of here. So like, okay, we'll we'll build this world. So you will believe us that you can make a phone call from the jungle, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they show Bruce Campbell like demonstrating the laser early. He's like, hey, check out this gun. You put the diamond in the gun, shoots a laser round off into the jungle. And I'm like, this is, I think it's probably the best Chekhov's gun in cinema, like having Bruce Campbell blasting a a laser gun for no reason in the jungle. (laughs) The logic of that scene, like they skip right past it and you're like, Bruce Campbell rules, it's a jungle phone call. Oh my God. They skip right past it. and, And rightfully so, because what he does is he finds what he says is chemically flawless blue diamond sand. And that's yeah. what he puts in the gun and it fires off a laser. But when they're talking about it, they need the clarity of the diamond to be this perfect to like mm-hmm. focus it as a lens. So they've right. already established that this, this laser eats diamonds for fuel. <laughs> like they're like right off. Perfect. I'm on board. And in the book, there are way more chapters about that satellite system and the communications from the jungle than there yeah. are anything about the killer monkeys, by the way. Like like three-fourths of the book, I swear, is uh-huh. them just explaining the satellite technology. And then there's a chapter that's like, oh, and there were also evil monkeys, and then it's the end of the book. Yeah, yes. that's, that's Michael Crichton, all right. That's Michael <laughs> Crichton. Got into I, his I research. I do like how uh, when he's making the phone call back, it, like, it, it cuts out. And in that time it cuts out, uh, Bruce Campbell swims to find the secret Congo ruins, gets ambushed by apes, the whole camp is torn apart, and then the feed comes back on. So like, just in like the time the phone goes out and comes back on, like Bruce Campbell has his own whole movie. And <laughs> like, it's so funny to compare that to the book where Michael Crichton's like, how about seven chapters of satellite dish technology? I went to my local <laughs> science center and got all the information. Uh, so it's just a it's a good demonstration of how much better the movie is than the book because And it's also uh just a tragedy because the reason that whole thing happens is Bruce Campbell uh auditioned for the role of the doctor, the main guy, and right. he was given this small like trophy part instead. 
Oh, and, come uh, on. That's the Why? only that's the only thing wrong with Congo is that there was a version of it in some Sliders universe. If we could hop through the portal, we could we could find the one difference being Bruce Campbell was the lead in Congo and it made six hundred million dollars instead. <laughs> he would have yes. had sex with a gorilla. That's I think why <laughs> they made the right choice. <laughs> I mean, they're constantly implying that the dude had sex with the gorilla. They say it like twelve yes, times. And I would true. definitely I if if it were Bruce Campbell, I'd be like, Yeah, he did. I see why they're all <laughs> saying that. Yeah, if it were Bruce Campbell, I'd be like, I understand why that was consensual. <laughs> There's uh, in my notes, I have another thing that's weird that happens in the scene that it stays weird the whole movie. It's a uh, Jodon Baker's like, I want those diamonds anyway. And he will not believe that those were gorillas. Someone's like, yes, uh, I just saw one of the gorillas just like broke some shit on camera. And he's like, I wasn't a gorilla. Gorillas don't do that. And that's the theme of the movie is that some people are like, hey, gorillas don't do anything. That's preposterous. They're not dangerous. And other characters are like, no, gorillas can kill you. And so that, that argument just goes on for two and a half hours. The it, myth of the killer ape the is true. Ape. It's true. Let, let, me, let me take that again. The myth of the killer ape <laughs> is true. Oh, very nice. Very I but, needed four later, more accents. Mixed later, into that the, accent. The, the fucking gorilla charges up to the doctor and... Ernie Hudson's like, oh, here's what you do when this happens. It's like, this happens so often that like just going into the jungle, you have to know what to do when gorillas attack you. Or they will murder you is the implication. Yes. So, so I don't know. In the text of the film, they're saying (laughs) these gorillas are perfectly safe, but also here's all the ways, all the tiny things you must do to make sure they don't murder you. Very dumb. It feels almost like a parable as if there are people out there that are like, I think sharks are perfectly <clears throat> fine and we can swim with them and pet them. And it's trying to like warn us against that. Right. No sharks could eat you. No, that's a myth. You can oh, high five a jungle ape, any jungle ape, and it's perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> I love the, that Joe Don also- Baker plays the the callous billionaire, which is just it's such a refreshing change from yeah, every great. single role he's ever played as just a drunken hillbilly. Yeah, just and, dirt bike, private eye. And, and he plays the callous billionaire as a drunken hillbilly. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like all the, the ticking clocks they set up where it's like, they need to find Bruce Campbell before he dies because we don't have, see the body, right? Uh, Zaire's going to close the border. The volcano's about to go off. And I don't even think this was in the movie, but in the book, there was a lot of like technical arms race. Like a lot of companies were trying to get these diamonds for like technology. Uh, I think the, he mentions that. Like, I think they Joe might Don, mention in the movie as a, yeah. as a throwaway while he's listing all six of the other ticking clocks. Yes. He's like, ah, oh, here's another one. Yeah, don't worry yeah, about I, that one. I think in the books, the Russians were coming after it too, but the Chinese were keeping them out. I was like looking through that at the board at hmm. the at the book earlier, and I was reading about that. Right. But that was, I think the main, if I remember the main ticking clock of the book is that if they don't get these diamonds very quickly, you might as well never get them because someone else will have the technology first. Right. And that's why they have to hijack the research flight that is already scheduled instead of putting together their Mm -hmm. own thing, which, but since since the bad guys in the book, I thought that they just took the the gorilla with them. (laughs) I thought that was part of the plan. I don't remember the whole elaborate thing where they hijacked the research plane. Oh, I'm just going off the the movie. I I haven't read the book because uh, I'm not a huge nerd. I am, but (laughs) we're going to pretend for a minute. (laughs) But yes, they have to, so they have to hijack an expedition, uh, which is uh, movie speak for let's put together the ragtag team. 
Because so, nobody is fucking prepared or or gels well with the others. I don't know. I really like that. To send them on their way before, just before that happened, there's a scene with Joe Don, which I love so, I, I really like Joe Don Baker. He does it. He does his best as just a big beefy ogre of a man. With him and Laura Linney, and she says, tell me you love your son. He just goes, well, I do. And that's why we're going. Well, it is. Just, that's all. That's all he's willing to put into that. That's all he's capable of putting into that. Well, and then later she's so angry when it turns out that that's not true. And it's like, really? yeah, you bought that performance. You're, she put together this entire expedition based on it is. Yeah. And Laura Linney's like, all right, but like if if I'm going and you care more about the diamonds than Bruce Campbell, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anybody got a beer? You got a beer in here? Uh. There's some some pointless uh, presentation on how Amy's sign language glove works, which I love how because the book it's that it's was not pointless. Twenty it's, chapters. It's at, it's at Berkeley in in the ape department of Berkeley. <laughs> okay, I always thought that like Michael Crichton is sort of a dumb person's idea of a smart person, and so like seeing <laughs> stuff like this is very much like okay, Michael, you you looked up some stuff in the encyclopedia. You don't need to put all of it into the movie, buddy. But um. <laughs> Like, uh, one thing that was actually good in the book is that there was like an ethical discussion of teaching our gorilla to talk, uh, that I recall that was nowhere near this movie. They're, they're like the only ethics in this movie were like, should we drug the ape before we throw it out of the fucking plane or not? <laughs> Constantly <laughs> drugging that poor ape in this movie. I, I am convinced it's a, it's a, like a riff on the A team, right? And on how yeah. they have to constantly yeah. drug BA to get him anywhere. They even do it in a plane to like throw her out of a plane. So <laughs> this is an A team reference, which yeah, don't think about it too much or it gets really problematic if that's true. That's yeah, that's trouble. But I guess that would make Ernie Hudson face no uh, Hannibal. Uh, Adewale yeah. would be uh, Adewale is definitely face because every time they blink, Adewale like runs off frame and finds something. He's like, guys, I found everything we need. I guess we'll we'll get to him later. But like, uh, so yeah, I think they they kind of have some good eighteen. Ernie Hudson is absolutely George Papard in this movie. Yeah, He's like half sure. George Papard, half Sean Connery. I have never seen an episode of the Eighteen. Uh, well, that's one of their running silly. bits is that they they have to every time they have to fly, BA hates to fly, and they have to drug usually his milk uh, to get him on a plane, and he falls for it every time, and he wakes up really mad. <laughs> every episode, uh, well, like every three episodes, yeah, it probably happens okay. fifty times in the show. <laughs> I was say, eventually, you would stop <laughs> drinking around these people. Not 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 his milk. Mister T would never. That it takes way more than milk. that. To get Mr. T to stop drinking milk, fool. I, I do want to mention that during the uh, sign language presentation, the gorilla starts talking and everyone's like, oh, that's very interesting. Except for one guy's mind is totally blown. It's the bad guy from Dirt Bike Kid. And he brings the same <laughs> bad guy from Dirt Bike Kid energy to his role here in this blockbuster film. He's just hamming it up. This is a talking gorilla. And it's not even Mr. Ed. And this presentation again, uh, we're skipping past it. Like everybody's seen Congo. The presentation is that uh, a guy that looks like Steve Gutenberg, but lesser, somehow lesser, uh, invented a cybernetic arm that turns sign language into a computerized voice. And they, uh, so you just do sign language and it recognizes the motions and does, does a, I am talking to you through the miracle of science kind of thing. 
<laughs> and, uh, if anyone speaks like words in sign language, they know this wouldn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Amy comes out and she they they made it into a badass power glove, like possibly literally a power glove that turns her sign language into super clumsy gorilla speech. <laughs> so they doesn't smooth it out. She comes out and says, "Amy, pretty gorilla. Amy, want lunch? Amy, lunch." <laughs> yeah, that's what a gorilla would say. That's why we don't talk to gorillas. Like Amy, I kill everybody. Amy, myth myth of kill a gorilla real. They 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 say that that's going to like enable her to teach other gorillas to speak sign language, <laughs> like bring gorillas language. Why would that be the case at all? <laughs> because we want time, to ensure the downfall of mankind. <laughs> at the time, biologists thought there was a thing called a biomorphic field, which is almost magic, where they think that animals can learn from animals that are like uh, geographically isolated from them. Because like some scientists say, hey, these chimps are using sticks. And then some other scientists say, holy shit, the chimps over here are using sticks. And they're like, oh, they're speaking through the magic of the mind and okay. so uh, through gaia i've seen captain planet i know what's so, happening here so it like would be the, likely like that even yeah it could be like actual phd students were, were like if you taught a gorilla sign language other gorillas would learn sign language magically like that that could have been in papers at the time okay that's wild <laughs> But it's yeah, the, the point of the expedition, he, he wants to release Amy and they're like, you just fucking spent like $8 million teaching the safe sign language and building a power glove for her. Right. We're not going to release her in the jungle. And he's like, well, she could teach other apes sign language. They're like, oh, okay. What? <laughs> he was just like concerned <laughs> about, and how does that make us money? Remember, yeah. I was concerned about the money that it would make us. It well, it's like the opposite of that. You could negotiate he, apes for cheap ape labor. You could maybe like put them in movies. <laughs> no, that's true. Apes will never act. <laughs> they could write their own contracts if only they could speak in sign language. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim Curry, we meet Tim Curry's character here. He's in the audience and he, he gets this very sinister idea and pulls out like an evil blood red leather bound journal and an ancient ring of power and... Free now of the chains of Chaucesco. <laughs> Someone is loading up the clip of this voice. <laughs> I have Herkimer Homoka's intro. You you have to hear it to believe it. Because I, I was like, what is this? Like, that was the, when I was immediately, like, so upset by this movie. <laughs> he's great. Uh, he's just, he, I know he's supposed to be Romanian, but I had I listened to a Romanian accent. He's not even trying it. Uh, he's just doing, I think he's either doing, my theory is he's doing an accent that never existed and he's just making it up as it goes. Or sometimes it's like he's doing every accent on the entire continent of Europe at once. So I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. And, and there There's is a moment, and I don't want to skip ahead, but there is a moment where it seems like they're going to reveal that he's doing a fake accent. Right. And my husband and I were both like, oh, oh here you go. okay, like this. This makes so much sense. And then they're like, no, that's his real accent. <laughs> and I was so pissed. They do so many fake outs. Like his whole reveal with the evil journal and the he like it's lit from below to appear villainous. And then mm -hmm. it turns out he's the comic relief. And you're just, it's such a great turn. And it happens like almost instantly. Like in the intro, 
Sean plays, that's the next thing. It's like, nope, that's your comic relief. He's not the villain. Sorry yeah. to fuck with you like that. Never happen again. He's also kind of <laughs> like the the wizard. You know, he kind of knows all these secrets that no one else could possibly know because of his weird obsession. But he's In not like- In my notes, I wrote, is Tim Curry a wizard? Why does he have the wizard <laughs> vibe? It's very wizardy Tim vibe. Curry just has a wizard vibe. Like all the time. He does. You see him in interviews and you're like, he's going to do magic, right? He's going to do some magic. I don't know that I've ever seen him do magic, but. I, I love that um, he's like a financier with no money. Like almost immediately he's like, I can pay for your expedition. They're like, nope, you can't. But they keep him on. So now our, our team is this Romanian weirdo with no money, uh, a talking gorilla, fussy ape nerd, uh, that fussy ape nerd's terrified assistant, and Laura Linney, who's like a corporate predator with a heart of gold. Who already and, is being implied she's like a, C, a former CIA badass. Right. She's like a tough, <laughs> tough gal. And she, she no shows shit. up yeah, to hijack to hijack the expedition that Tim Curry was hijacking, which again right. was to bring a talking cyber ape to the jungle to build an ape society <laughs> and to steal an African diamond to power a space laser. Yes. That's Congo. That's like 15 minutes we've set all that up. It's amazing. It's great. And then uh, there's another little wrinkle in the plan. Like nobody knows who they are, uh, who the other people are. Nobody trusts each other. Uh, the ape is very jealous of human women. So the apes talking shit at Lord Lenny, like you're an ugly, ugly girl. <laughs> ugly and, uh, woman. Ugly, <laughs> ugly woman. She throws an egg at her. I did um, uh, pull a clip of the monkey talking. That's right. Tickle me. Jungle. Tickle oh. me. Tickle me. <laughs> Why does she keep saying that? <laughs> Peter, tickle. Stick it in. Peter, stick it in. <laughs> well, and yeah, then uh, all the guys that are loading the plane are immediately like, oh, he's fucking that monkey, huh? Yes. <laughs> Everyone who sees those two together is like, this is the only romantic chemistry in the film. Uh, they give the monkey <laughs> give the ape a martini, which is great. Yeah, she uh, freaks out about flying and asks for green drop drink. Green drop drink. Because like, apparently okay. there's no sign for martini, which uh, I refuse to believe. Just make a martini shape. Right? Makes a full martini in a glass with olives and everything. Yeah, they so couldn't teach an ape the concept of a martini. And then we yeah. just watch an ape drink a martini for a while. <laughs> and it's great. And this is not a comedy. Okay. <laughs> it's perfect. It's just a perfect scene to, to linger on. That had to have pissed off the animatronic guys. They're like, hey, in this scene, the, the robot ape needs to drink a martini. They're like, no, that's gonna, you can't just throw a bunch of fucking martini into a robot, guys. <laughs> the same thing that would happen. To some guy who's is, in that suit. <laughs> is if you put a bunch of martini into a real ape, it's gonna freak out and kill everything. <laughs> that's a myth. The myth of the drunk killer ape is <laughs> <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> uh, so they land in the exotic country of Central oh, Africa. You're actually skipping past one of my favorite scenes in the movie oh, where Laura Lenny and Peter, they have a philosophical discussion between altruism and capitalism in just the most childlike attempted character development. They're like, I think we should help people. No, I think we should take all the money. Huh, we're really different, Laura Lenny. We sure are. Imagine that. Imagine coming from our backgrounds, why we're different. Anyway, the ape will bring us together. Perfect. So they yes, land they... in the, the exotic country of Central Africa, which is not me being derogative. There's a super that comes up and it just says Central Africa. 
<laughs> I think someone mentions where they are. I think they're in Uganda. They mentioned it later. Trying to get to Zaire. But yeah, when but they, it does say just Central Africa. <laughs> and the trader from the Matrix picks him up. The first person and... they meet is a Brooklyn mook. Yes. It's Joey, Joey Pants over there. <laughs> fast talking at him. Fast talking. That's the first person they meet in Africa. He offers to be their guide. And then he offers to sell their gorilla on the black market. And then Amy talks with her hand and he says, whoa, a talking gorilla. I can hear the money hairs on my neck going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Which is, you uh, have to, he, you, he had to have money hairs. that line, right? God, There's I no way so. somebody wrote that down. I wrote that down, but only because he's. <laughs> I don't even get why that guy was in the movie. He's like, their, why not just have it be Ernie Hudson the whole time? He's their guide to bring them across. worth of exposition. Like the guy, he, they land, he's like, "Here's what's going on in Africa. Listen closely, and oh my god, I want to buy that. Happen. That's the kind of thing you're going to run into. Fuck, what's going on here? I'm a new guy. Who are you? Shit, is that a talking gorilla? Okay, let's go to the jungle." It's true. He oh. drops all of the exposition about Africa. He's the guy that explains what's going on in Africa to them. Is the Italian mook <laughs> the character? I feel like as a person, as an American in 1995, if you say Africa, you picture one of two things. You pick picture corrupt warlords battling each other, or like. We are the world. I think that's like the media attention that Africa had gotten at that point. And I don't both think we of those them. things are in this movie. Yes, we would have just assumed, oh, there'll be like a magic ghost tribe, and then there'll be war torn, like corrupt warlords. I don't know. Yes, and both of those things do happen. But yes. uh, uh, Joey Pants here has the very important job of being their guide through the airport to the other side of the airport where their real guide, Ernie Hudson, is waiting. That's literally what he does in this movie. Yes. Why not just have it be Ernie Hudson the entire time? Like, I feel like that guy won a contest to be in that movie. (laughs) I I love how uh, we first meet Ernie Hudson and the the first thing he does is pull a gun on a guy in a truck and it's like, give me your fucking truck, go away. And it works. (laughs) Like, I think that's how you sign the paperwork on a new truck in Uganda. And... Then there's a really cute moment here where uh, the truck is turning and they, they pull back and it's just one of these massive like Hollywood blockbuster scenes where there's just 80 extras running around and explosions in the distance. And Joey Pants is in the little luggage car and starts backing it up like he, he does not know how to work this, but he's doing his own driving stunt and almost drives straight into the fucking principal cast's truck. And then he like kind of panics. Like if you watch the scene, it's so funny. I rewound it like three times. Like, did he almost fuck up this whole shot by just gunning it in reverse into the truck. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's pretty funny uh, if you're watching this at home. So they, they get to a military checkpoint and then we properly meet Ernie Hudson. I have a clip here I'd like to play. Monroe Kelly, I'm your great white hunter for this trip, though I happen to be black. How bad is this news for us? So <laughs> I happen to be Amazing. black. I love that because... It was written for Sean Connery, and they're like, we got to rewrite it now that it's a black guy. They're like, ah, I don't know. What? How about we just add this to the end of I'm Your Great White Hunter? Don't, don't change the line. Just add, though I happen to be black, done. Fucking clap your hands at that. Fucking, that's like doing a like a finder place to change every how do you do to what it is. It's just the fucking <laughs> so, so less racist. Effort. Less effort than that, I would say. <laughs> Though I happen to be black. And that's why Ernie Hudson says that's his favorite role that he has ever played in his entire career. No shit. No. He really said that. 
No! (laughs) He thought this was magical. And I just, uh, I I believe it now because he's having so much fucking fun saying all that shit. Yeah, he always seems very relaxed. He's like, oh, we're going to get killed by giant apes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't I, yeah, care. They, they say <laughs> we're bringing this ape to the jungle, and that's why all these people have to die. And he's like, you're going to take her back to the farm now that she's seen Paris. I'm like, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. He is like a black Alan Quartermain, which is it's, probably a huge civil rights moment, I think. In 1995, yeah, probably. It was a it was a big deal because Alan Quartermain, like that, the whole jungle hunter, the great white hunter, is those are problematic stories. Yes, he explicitly like, like he was a great white hunter of black people. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, not all the time, but sometimes. So, so they're captured and they're brought to uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, who's a, a corrupt military officer who just knows everything about everybody. He knows uh, Ernie Hudson. He knows Herkimer Hermolka. Uh, Did we forget to explain that his name is Herkimer Homolka, Tim Curry's character? Have we ever said his name is Herkimer Homolka? Because Hermolka. it's so. Because of course it is. Of course his name is Herkimer <laughs> Homolka. <laughs> I uh, have a very nice clip of uh, Delroy Lindo's take on Herkimer Homolka. Here, I'll play here. Mm. Stop eating my sesame cake. Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> what are you doing in my country? Bag of shit. <laughs> Bag of shit. Captain, Fuck. please. I only wish to explore and discover. This fellow is a big bag of shit. <laughs> you should shake this rat from off your neck. <laughs> oh. uh, Delroy oh. Lendo, he really brought it to the, to hear the way he rolls his R. Shake this rat off your neck. <laughs> Yeah, like, everybody just, everybody does their own accent as hard as they possibly can. That's why just you had to have been everybody's like two drinks in on this set and just having a great fucking time. There's no way somebody like saw Count this. Chocula. Like it just sounds like he's doing a Count Chocula impression the entire <laughs> he totally time. Is. You want a bag of shit. <laughs> no, like Tim Curry when I heard him say, I just want to explore. <laughs> like, yeah, he's totally doing Count <laughs> Uh, canonically it. from romania it's an accurate accent and uh here's Stop what i think they, my sesame cake everybody in this moment movie. in this scene where they kind of overstepped the tough girl stuff where some guy's kind of playing with laura lenny's hair and it's like gross and she fucking elbow strikes him in the dick while she's <laughs> carrying a bag of like three hundred thousand dollars cash that everyone can see i'm like i feel i feel like that's not the moment you just go for the dick strike while you're someone's prisoner i don't know i I liked it, and I like how Delroy Lindo is like, okay, great. I like how you hit that guy in the dick. Funny. But, like, it, it seemed, like, overly dangerous. I don't know. Besides, she gets so many better moments. I just, that's one, another of my favorite thing about Congo. It's like everybody gets one line or one moment that you can see the actor reading it being like, okay, I'll take this bit part. Mm-hmm. If I can yell at Tim Curry to stop eating my sesame cake over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, he ta- he does he has a moment in the scene where Delroy Lindo takes the fifty thousand dollars they give him and he like really clumsily but like purposefully puts it in a gold paper bag and then pulls a stapler off the dining table and like, <laughs> like staples it shut. It is so weird. But, <laughs> when like, they they put like ten thousand dollars out and he just smiles at them and goes more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
See, well, yeah, I kind of read that scene as everybody has done this before. Like yeah. the the one lady's in the CIA, she can read a room really good, mm-hmm. and she's like, "He's, I'm going to give him some, and he's going to give him more, and I'm going to give him more." Mm-hmm. Like she, she's familiar with the situation. Yeah. Oh, it's been a half hour, and it's so good. They go now. They're in uh, Tanzania. Is this the airfield? I just don't want to skip over yeah, the airfield. Yeah, they're they're meeting uh, Atawale Akanoye Baje. And he's uh, like a really smiley dude, very friendly guy. And this is the guy who I think would be their team's face. Because every time he leaves the frame, he comes back with like the next plot device. I mean, he's also clearly the handsomest of the younger. Because like, so it's not going to be lesser Steve Gutenberg. I didn't even look up. I looked up everybody else's name. I, I didn't look up Steven Gutenberg. I just did. I did not give a <laughs> shit. I'm never going to need to know anything else about but you. Yes. Most people know this guy because he was Mr. Echo on Lost. He was at a BC in Oz. He's like, you know, very famous. No, no, not that guy. I'm talking about Lester Steve Gutenberg, the, the main okay, guy. Okay, yeah, he he was at a BC in Oz. He'd be a great at a BC in a like, tiny little hat stuck on half of, on, on the little side of his head. See, I didn't I, I didn't want to skip Oz. past the airfield scene because uh, in the background, you can see their pilot and it's Jimmy Buffett. There was a Jimmy Buffett cameo <laughs> what? in this movie. No. Yep, their pilot is Jimmy Buffett. That's, is that a real oh thing? Like that's it's a not real like thing? a guy. That's so it's funny. not a guy that looks like Jimmy Buffett. It's actually Jimmy Buffett. And he I I'm assuming he had a bigger part in this movie and then just Jimmy Buffetted it just right out <laughs> right right out of the movie. Because you see him like kind of look at the camera a little bit and then walk away without saying anything. And right. then later you see an empty seat where Jimmy Buffett should be, and they say he's gone. And that's Jimmy Buffett's role in this movie. Yeah, I thought that was so weird. They were like, well, the pilot's gone. I'm like, where did the pilot go? <laughs> there's only, we've established there's only one door. And But yeah, Jimmy Buffett. They just needed to cut Jimmy Buffett's fucking scene is what happened. I like, bet he had to go home. He was like, you know what? I, I changed my mind. <laughs> he just left. Like, stop putting the margarita in frame, Jimmy. It's like, no, that's not very Buffett, guys. But the gorilla gets a martini. But the gorilla (laughs) gets a martini. Jimmy can't get a margarita, but the gorilla gets a martini. Uh, He just got the guy in the gorilla suit trashed, and then they both went home. (laughs) There's a scene at the at the airport where Monroe, the the Ernie Hudson, reveals that uh, Tim Curry. I'm I gotta say Herkimer Homolka is looking for the lost city of Zinj, which is Solomon's city built on the diamond mines and his entire last expedition died, which I love that you get to deliver that exposition. But, but yes. then then Tim Curry's character suddenly snaps and goes, shut up, you filthy. Yes. And then, and then Ernie Hudson cuts him off. But what a fucking tonal shift out of nowhere, Congo. Yes. Again. And his voice changes. He loses the accent right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, like, it's not a fun thing to say in Count Chocula voice. (laughs) I want to remind you that, again, this was going to be Sean Connery. So they said, okay, if this is going to be Ernie Hudson, um, I don't, maybe I'm racist, but I think one of the characters should call him a filthy mm. And, like, that's crazy to me. They're like, the writer writer added this specifically post-Ernie Hudson. He's like, okay, if he's black, someone's got to say this to him. Yeah, uh, we got to write in the racism now at this point. Right, and you think that's like... Crazy. It must be a reason. It must be foreshadowing. Never comes up again. There's never, never like a again. racial thing with, with Tim Curry's character. If anything, he's this, just back This whole being scene is broken. Relief. 
because earlier in the movie, Ernie Hudson's like, do I know you to Herkimer Homolka? And he's like, uh, I do a lot of traveling, but like Ernie Hudson carried this fucking guy out from like the, the worst exposition expedition he'd ever seen. Like he knows yeah. who he is. He's explaining to us, the viewer who he is. It's like, what, what the fuck was that earlier then? And I don't think there's any reason for it. I think it's just a hundred percent like an older version of the script that they just forgot to fix. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody's reading through the script again, looking for canonical factual accuracies in Congo. Like, oh, oh, does does she have the diamond laser at this point to laser the apes? Shut the fuck up, nerd. We're lasering <laughs> apes. Uh, so they, uh, I guess now they're they're flying uh, to Zaire, and as soon as they cross the border and they're in the Zaire airspace, they just start getting shot at with RPG well, they, rounds. They do oh drug God. the gorilla. Ernie Hudson yes. calls it Gorilla Prozac. So we do the he gets a banana, puts some Gorilla Prozac in a banana, and that's the I believe first that was a thing. joke. I think in 1995, uh, just the word Prozac yes. was a punchline. Yeah, it's just a sedative, but that's his first thing. They get start getting shot at, and he immediately is like, we got to drug this fucking gorilla, which I would argue, good call. First good call in the movie. <laughs> you don't want a rampaging gorilla in a plane that's being shot down. Even though they can shoot the rockets that are being shot at them with, I want to say, flare guns. That's so fucking yeah, they were, badass. They were foiling the heat-seeking. Fucking... Awesome. I thought this was great. I was that like, was... this is finally a real adventure movie. They're adventuring. Yeah. That, so they're... I didn't get that's what they were doing. I thought they were just like shooting the rockets. No, they say like... they're heat seekers. And so Laura Linney and Ernie Hudson grab flare guns and kick open the door and lean out of the plane and fire the flares at the missiles that, you know, intercept them and explode. And it's just a, such a bitching scene. Like this is, yes. like again, going back to that moment where uh, Delroy Lindo gets to say, stop eating my sesame cake. This is this is the one that made Ernie Hudson take it. I think he's like, I get to lean out of a plane and fucking shoot down missiles with a flare gun. Hell yeah! <laughs> I mean, Laura gets to do that too, but we know the scene mm-hmm. that got her on board. Now, see, I, I watched a lot of Airwolf when I was a kid, and Airwolf had a few like uh, anti-missile tactics. Like he could drop chaff and he could throw out flares to distract heat-seeking missiles. So I knew exactly what they're doing from canonically, Airwolf. Canonically, canonically, uh, Airwolf. I don't think a flare. Sh- pops off enough heat to distract a missile from a plane. Just for the record, I don't think this would work if you're going to try this at home. What did I say uh, about shutting up, nerd? <laughs> <laughs> you bring so, the wrong mindset. Nobody gets Peter. Peter is very understandably confused. Uh, he's like, uh, what guys, are you starting to jump out the fucking plane? I have a talking gorilla with me <laughs> that is asleep. Thanks to your drugs. <laughs> what the fuck? And so, Ernie Hudson's like, no, don't worry about it. I'll strap the unconscious gorilla to me. Um, <laughs> and then he jumps with the Ghostbusters skydives with an unconscious gorilla. And again, just a great thing to watch for a while. It's just, just legitimately laugh out loud funny. It li- makes me laugh out loud when I'm watching it by myself. It's so funny. Uh, like, I do- yeah, Google that scene. If you watch, don't want to watch Congo, you still you have to watch that scene where Ernie Hudson has the puppet strapped to him and he's jumping out <laughs> he of the jumps plane. Jumps out of a plane and skydives. I do have some script notes. I, I want to stop here and talk about two ideas I have on how they couldn't necessarily improve the scene, but like uh, maybe make it better. I don't know how how to put this, but like here's my ideas. The first one would be. Uh, you have the gorilla use her incredible gorilla strength to hold on to one of the tougher guys, right? And so P- 
Peter would sign, like have this moment where he's like really leveling with the gorilla. Like, okay, just close your eyes, Amy. Don't let go. And then they jump out and she's like hanging onto him and, she, and they're, they're fa- falling. And then when they land, Amy's like super pumped that she just went on a parachute ride. And she's like, Amy, fly. Amy, love. And then it's like movie <laughs> magic. And now the gorilla has a second best friend. So that's my first idea. Now, Ooh, I love that. My second idea is the plane is crashing, right? Amy's still not drugged. That's I think that's a bad move for the script. So they give her her own parachute and they teach her how to pull the ripcord. And Amy's like, Amy, ready. Amy, ready. One, two, three, pull. <laughs> and while she's pulling, that would probably be the sign language word for pull. So she'd be talking while she's doing it. Then she joyrides to the ground. They fucking... Maybe there's a drunk guy in the jungle. He looks up and says, like, a parachuting gorilla. And he, like, looks down at his liquor <laughs> bottle and throws it away. I'm telling you, it's it's better that way. One of the natives oh, has man. big Coke bottle glasses and takes them off and cleans them. <laughs> yeah. Puts yeah. them back on. <laughs> there's a woman and she's like, I'll marry you when gorillas parachute out of the sky. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Oh, See, wow. this is it. I'm glad we did this script doctor section. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, so... I'm not a smoke jumper or a paratrooper or anything, so uh, I'm not sure. But I do know that if you throw a bunch of untrained people out of a speeding plane, just a couple stories over a dense jungle, you're not seeing 40% of those people ever again. <laughs> but you know, especially one of them is carrying a gorilla. So, but then here they just, they all land in the same clearing. They're like, that was, that was fun, guys. Thanks. That was great. And there's, there's a moment here where Laura Lenny whips out like a primitive GPS and Ernie Hudson walks up next to her and says, Video game? <laughs> an, an insane moment that that will pay off later, I guess. Why? Sort of, maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah but- I love the idea that she's just going to pull out a Nintendo right now and knock out a couple levels of Mario. Yeah. Like anyone would think that. <laughs> so they're just having a nice nature hike with no thought to the army that just shot them out of the sky and watched them parachute into their borders with a gorilla. Uh, and Herkimer is like kind of forming this theory that, that the gorilla was painting her own dreams and that those dreams will magically lead them, lead them to the uh, lost city of Zinge. Yes. The gorilla uh, is their real guide, even though yes. they have an actual a video game that will take them directly to the city. Yeah. They have GPS. They don't need the gorilla, <laughs> but he's convinced that the gorilla will be the key. <laughs> And he is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He's very it's like, wrong. which are you going to rely on, GPS or a gorilla's dreams? Again, this this was like at the when we first meet her, we see those paintings of of her and the painting this mysterious eye, and Herkimer pulls out the ring that has a mysterious eye. It's like, oh my gosh, she's going to lead them to the city, and then the you movie forgets. The it really just forgets to do it. They just follow yeah. the GPS to where Bruce Campbell was killed, which again, we already know by the gorillas, this is the secret city. Like we, we have been shown it in the cold <laughs> open of the movie. Bruce Campbell is sitting on the steps of the secret city, eating a chocolate yes. bar when a gorilla whips an eyeball into the back of his head. And we're like, oh, okay. So I'm glad you brought up the gorilla attacks because uh, it helps the audience remember uh that that's what happened earlier. And then it kind of repeats it again in another moment that always makes me laugh out loud. Where during the video call, like uh, Laura Linney's calling back home to Joe Don Baker and she's like, all right, cool. We're here. We're almost to the, you know, to Bruce Campbell's spot. 
And during the video call, Amy's just fucking around and she rampages through the equipment and Joe Don Baker's like, no, God, not again. Like he, he <laughs> thinks she's all dead. His second expedition has been murdered by apes. <laughs> and his, his reaction is, oh God, not again. <laughs> it's like not murdered by apes again. No reason to believe anything else has happened. And then they never get the equipment back on. So that's just like what he thinks happened for the rest of the movie. Now, what actually why Amy was rampaging is we're doing like a lot of character building scenes around camp, except for our main character, the lesser Steve Gutenberg, who just has a tickle fight with Amy that sprawls through every other scene. And it's just, (laughs) yes, they're fucking. We get it. We get it. We get the. You don't know. uh, This is why this is why their comms are destroyed and they're cut off is because this guy's ape foreplay got out of hand. <laughs> Speaking of the, that night in camp, they're kept up all night by monkeys having sex. And uh, that's kind of just it. Then they just go back to bed. Ha ha. Listen to the monkeys fuck. But like in the book, they were besieged by the evil gorillas. And they did this whole scheme where they had Amy learn the language <laughs> of the evil apes. And then they broadcast go away in the ape language to get rid of them. And I'm like, that's a crazy, awesome sequence that in the movie, they're like, what if instead some monkeys had sex off camera? And I'm like, <laughs> maybe the book was better in this case. Yeah. Well, like they, they come up with different, like three or four phrases from her to mm-hmm. broadcast. I remember that. Yeah. yeah that was cool. This it's way, cool. Ernie Hudson gets to explain when the moon comes out, every <laughs> monkey for 200 miles thinks he's Elvis <laughs> Presley. <laughs> <laughs> just such terrible writing. Uh, uh, so now uh, Peter wakes up with a leech on his dick. We mentioned that earlier. Very zany. And uh, nobody has any concerns. Ernie Hudson gives him a, a cigarillo to burn it off. And then he gives it back. He's like, hey, I, I burned the leech off my dick. Here's your cigarette back. <laughs> Which, uh, that's nice touch. Uh, very 90s movie comedy. And then here come the ghost tribe, the Mozumu tribe. And they are uh, straight out of Looney Tunes. They are just completely covered in white powder. So they look like skeleton men. And they lead everybody over to one of Laura Laney's co-workers who's catatonic from a gorilla shock. And there's just 80 of them in a circle, like chanting at him. Well, when they first, uh, when they first show up, there's a great moment that tells you everything you need to know about their tribe. And that they are immediately spotted and then... Ernie Hudson has to explain, pretend not to see them or it'll hurt their feelings. (laughs) They're like toddlers playing hide and seek. You've got to pretend they're really sneaky. So, (laughs) But they're like wearing all white in the middle of the jungle. Like they painted themselves white. We're ghosts. We're the ghost tribe. They'll they'll tell you they're dinosaurs. Go along with it. And the way they explain and get them to follow is they say, there's a dead white guy in the jungle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys probably want to see that right yes but he's not dead he just got so scared by the evil gorillas that he's catatonic and he wakes up almost immediately when or lenny just when any human contact is pleasant that she's like hey wake up buddy he's like oh oh i'm so oh, scared okay. of gorillas and then here comes fucking amy and he's Which, like it's a gorilla die die of fucking fear dies of fright from what is like a three foot child in an electronic ape costume that you would see on a sitcom and be like oh no yeah, like what are you a movie executive at paramount you just freak out when amy walks in the room so uh i guess by the movie's logic uh 
if you see a bunch of killer gorillas, like that's that maxes out your shock levels, right? And if you see anything else monkey related that's scary ever again in your life, that's it. Your body can't take any more fear, dead. So we just we have a limit of monkey fear in our systems. Perfect. I'm I glad we that. I'm glad we did that scene. Because yeah. again, that's it. That scene leads to no other scenes. It does not unlock anything that helps us find the city. We've just it's just they had to pay 200 nude men to make that scene. That probably was like an eight day shoot in probably Burbank. They but did careful still. choreography with uh, what I'm pretty sure is the language they made up on the spot. Yep. And, and all that to be like, that's how scary these monkeys are. <laughs> Which is really weird that, the mon- that he survived at all. Anyway, yeah, let's get to. Alive? Let's skip ahead to the yeah. scene where uh, all the Africans sing California Dreamin' to the ape while it does a bunch of drugs and kind of drifts off to sleep. Yeah, that was, that's kind of nice. Because that scene happens, and that's great. <laughs> I thought uh, it was sweet. What else? I, uh, there was a hippo attack. That was kind of nice. They lost a couple guys in the hippo attack. But if you're going to oh, have like a... I really like that. Like, adventure. I that looked cool. Yeah, great looking hippos. Should have used um, that hippo. They should have been hippos guarding. Just evil, evil hippos oh. guarding... The diamond mine. Yeah, they looked way better than the monkeys, that's for sure. And then you have one friendly smaller hippo, I guess, that you've taught to speak. Now we're <laughs> yes, this is this is Hippo that's Congo. Congo. Yeah, you're writing Hippo Congo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they find a crashed plane uh, of Laura Lenny's people, uh, and like they're all dead. There's no survivors, and Laura Lenny's. Oh, they sent another expedition after me. Like they didn't trust that I would get it done. But this completely invalidates the entire act one where it was really hard to get an expedition going. And that's why they're fucking here with Robo Monkey and Herkimal Hormoka. So and if uh, they apparently it would have had to been on the same timetable because yeah. it's been like one day. It's been exactly one day. They, we yeah, saw Laura's not weekend. behind schedule. <laughs> they're just they just sent another expedition. Uh, and there happened to be another guy taking a, an ape to the jungle to teach sign oh, yeah. language to other apes, and he yes. was leaving five minutes after her. No, that he, that, that's Hippo Congo. We'll run in parallel. <laughs> Hippo Congo 2 back to the jungle, Hippo style. <laughs> uh, so there, that whole scene, uh, again, why? Because that it never comes back to do anything. It's just... Maybe just to demonstrate how they're just throwing money at the problem now and they don't care about the human life. So I guess that is character setup for Jodon Baker. Um, they meet some gorillas. Uh, they think Amy's a weirdo uh, and they find the old camp. So but, the entire uh, premise of this journey is now invalidated where they thought yes, they would exactly. release her and teach, her, teach, teach them sign language. She showed up, tried to teach them sign language and they were like, fuck you, like, get the fuck no, away from well, yeah, I gotta say the not. look the look that the gorillas give Amy is the best. Like they spent so much time on that look that just says like, this girl's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off you out of here with your fucking power glove. <laughs> Bring in your power glove to school. Nobody thinks that's cool. Yeah. Like someone animated that so well on that puppet. Like, you know, those apes hate Amy instantly. It's the yes. best ape expression in the movie. <laughs> And they now they find the old camp where Bruce Campbell died and someone or maybe no, it couldn't be, but maybe just maybe some ape has taken all the equipment and bodies away. Uh, and then they start talking about it. And like Adewale leaves for two seconds, comes back. He's like, boom, I found the lost city of Zinge. And I have a clip here. What is this? It is the city of Zinge. 
<laughs> That's it. Right. <laughs> it's just a great line for Tim Curry specifically <laughs> to deliver as Count Chocula. Who he can make one J into four syllables in this movie. It's beautiful. Zinja. Zinja. <laughs> oh. uh, and now they're in the lost city of Zinj, which is actually kind of a beautiful set. There's like, uh, oh, yeah. It just looks like an old, very high production adventure movie. Uh, there's a detail I really love here where they're they're going into the city and some set designers just draped a couple of wet snakes across a fake rock. Where I'm like, this see, they tried hard. That They got some live snakes. They're kind of dressing up the set with them. Uh, and it's at this point where just everything goes wrong. Uh, there's gorillas picking off their weakest members. They immediately find a dead end and they're like, wow, there's nothing here. Volcano starts erupting. A white gorilla comes storming in, throwing a human head at them. <laughs> it whips uh, that human head. Out of 10 immediately with that gorilla. <laughs> so they kill that gorilla, but they come outside and their whole team is hamburger. Like every porter they had is just shredded. Uh, <sighs> just fantastic. The stakes have been raised so high at this point. I and love everything that, that, that the gorillas know enough about terror to like rip off the human head. Then take it with them and just football run down the stairs into the city all the way up and be like, I'm going to nail that human with this shit. Check this out. And that's the end of the plan. It didn't have another step to the plan. It's just stood there and got murdered. They had a kind of predator internal logic where they clearly are having a good time. There's something about this is like a game or a sport. They're not just savages. Uh, But because like, for example, that night they set up camp and they have machine gun turrets. And so, like, it should be over. The evil apes will just get mowed down by machine gun turrets. But they're, like, I outsmarting they the perimeter defenses. Have... They're, like, poking at it like a Destiny raid learning a new boss. They're just, like, Ooh, what's the, what happens if we do this? And uh, the <laughs> volcano, I guess, is stopped. I think the volcano only goes off when someone's about to grab a diamond. So they're safe for that. But the, but the gorillas are a real threat who are just toying with their machine guns. I love that they have machine guns we had to have ernie hudson going video game to explain gps we had to have like eight scenes at the start to explain a phone call and zero scene to explain laser guided night vision monitored automatic turret machine guns that we set up in the jungle (laughs) to form a perimeter although god it's such a good scene it's like it's like tremors and aliens and predator just covered in monkeys which is which is great I, it's a great movie. thing to just watch for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and Amy, Amy sums it up when she says, bad gorilla, bad gorilla, <laughs> which, uh, which is perfect. And Herkimer sums it up when he says, so that's why Solomon's diamonds were never found. The myth of the killer ape is true. Finally gets to say it. <laughs> I love it. And they, they, they speculate on that, like, oh yeah, Solomon's minds, they probably, they like, bred these gorillas to like be attack dogs and then they turned on their breeders. Yeah. They didn't speculate. All... They read Solomon's pictographs that yes. said we, we, we trained apes. We bred apes to be evil geniuses who love fighting. The uh, Wikipedia page for the book says that in the book, they, they suggest that they bred the apes to be like more aggressive by breeding them with chimpanzees and oh. humans. Uh-oh. So oh. someone was fucking the apes. Somebody's so into that. Somebody's like, I know what part this of a hieroglyphic long means. I can, I can translate <laughs> this part. 
Uh, yes, which I don't remember anyone having sex with the apes in the book, but apparently, according to Wikipedia, they did. So I don't know. That might be one Wikipedia pervert that just snuck Probably. that in. We should yeah. maybe add a citation needed to that while we're here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I noticed that like when the set started adding diamonds, it kind of looks like it's kidding. Like it looks so cheap after they start adding diamonds to the floor because they, they get to the point where they're like, Let's just throw these giant diamonds all over the floor. And it just kind of looks like they're on Mars and somebody sprinkled the set with glitter. Like, looks somehow the diamonds made it look really cheap. And yet. Very Legends of the Hidden Temple at that point. Yes. And yet the diamonds used specifically for that scene uh, were actually real. They were borrowed from the Herkimer Diamond Mines in Middleville, New York. Are they? uh, What? They gave them two-ended quartz crystals, quartz diamond crystals. That are only found in two places in the world are incredibly rare. They were the only gems. They decided they were the only gems that would look enough like perfect diamonds and be that large. And they were so hard to get a hold of and so valuable that as a tribute, they named, they put Tim Curry's character in the movie and named him Herkimer. No! (laughs) That's why he's named that? That's why he's named that. Why they also named him Homolka is because it was funny. Yeah. Liddy, while you're on Wikipedia, look up to see if Brockway's lying, because there's no, no way that's don't. true. You're not allowed. <laughs> oh, there's just a whole page called Brockway's Lying. Uh, nobody's, allowed, nobody's allowed to Google until I'm the fuck out of here. That's the rule. <laughs> no, that's true, though. Just don't Google it yet. Just so, no follow-up questions yet. This is going to sound like I'm a monster, but the other part of this movie that makes me laugh out loud every time is when Herkimer gets beaten to death by the gorillas. Because he's kind of <laughs> like walking into this very well-lit set, and then these these really fake apes come up and kind of like bash him in the butt. They've and he made falls it. Down. Yeah. Hold on. It's, it's The set is Gorilla City. They they yes. have turned the mines into, into bitchin' little Congos, and they live in a city in the middle of this, this volcano surrounded by diamonds. So funny. Uh, the I, I think that was meant to be funny. I think they wanted you to laugh at Tim Curry getting beaten to death. Like, yeah. like <laughs> he it's... wouldn't drop the diamonds. He's like making his Tim Curry faces as he's getting grabbed by apes. And he's like, Rah! well, their like... very first blow, an ape runs by and clotheslines him in the butt. That's, yes. the, that's the first thing that, that they do. You can't tell me that's not fucking funny. It's an ass clothesline, which is how they take him down. And it works. This works. It works. This guerrilla battle is amazing. They're just everywhere. We lose every single good guy. Uh, but nobody cares until Adewale dies. And then Ernie Hudson, I have a moment where he's like, oh, no, not him. Meanwhile, all of the uh, apes are doing like in between kills. They're doing rad aerial stunts. They're doing fucking yes. sideways flips. They're just <laughs> having a blast. <laughs> Parkouring up all the cave walls. Because they don't know what Laura Linney signed up to this movie to do. <laughs> <laughs> she says buy me two minutes to set up her diamond powered laser she runs into a little sub cave they find bruce campbell's corpse oh no so sad nobody mourns him for a second no they just immediately find the perfect diamond plug it into the laser and my god the beauty and majesty of this next scene so Amy, Amy first no leaps, find a way for an ape to die. Amy leaps down to use her cyber glove to just confuse the apes, and it works. Right. Like they're just like, well, I yeah. don't know what to make of that. <laughs> and she also says that the that Lester Steve Gutenberg is her baby, yeah. and then everyone's like, oh, mother, they're mother. stopped by motherhood. And before they're anybody like, can think about that, <laughs> the, the first, <laughs> like while everybody's saying that and talking about it. 
just right there they laser the first ape in half and everybody looks over like holy fucking shit laura lenny did you just laser an ape in half and she's like i'm gonna laser fucking every ape in half she is she like six with one beam it's just the most overpowered weapon <laughs> and she uses it like so often in movies. They're like, no, no, we've it's got a break. We've got to like up tension. No, the movie's no. like, there's no tension from here on out. We're just fucking killing apes. And Laura, <laughs> Laura Linney is just lasering off hands, legs, the tops of skulls. Just there are apes that are trying to run away. It looks like and She's just lasering yeah. them in half. And that's when the volcano erupts. And you're like, yes, this had to yes. happen. Right, right. And it's here. the lava that spills into the room is so far beyond 1995 special effects capabilities. It just, it just looks like wet jello, and uh, the apes are fucking starting an ape party. Like some of them are literally jumping in, doing flips. They're having so much fun. Uh, some of them are kind of shoving the other side of the way. Oh, I yeah, they're having. I love it. It's 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 such a magical scene that. Uh, I wish everyone could see. Because they would rather do a sweet flip into the lava lake than get lasered in half by Laura Linney. That's the choice that this movie has left them at the end. It's like, you're an evil ape. One of two things are happening. You can do a fucking sick 360 into this volcano, which is your call. Or you can let Laura Linney just fucking sex laser you right in half. Just blast you into little pieces. It's some chose like, both X games and then they jump. <laughs> they look like they, they remember they die like that. So you could remember them, how they lived, which was doing rad flips. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this is the most maximum climax uh, action scene has ever had. There's apes jumping into lava and Ernie, Laura and Peter and Amy are the only survivors. So they, they run out and you're like, cool, it's over. But then they still kind of try to do some shit. So they're like, oh, what if they almost fell off a cliff and Laura had to save him by lasering a tree bridge down? Right, like, you know, dude, nobody gives rap, a shit. It's fucking over. Wrap it up. Like, like that should have ended on a freeze frame of that ape doing a flip, like sideways yes. over the lava, <laughs> giving two thumbs up, and the rest is just like a Bollywood yeah, style musical number over credits. Just. <laughs> yeah, Animal House style, like just catch us up on catch what these apes are up to. <laughs> Which of these apes survived? What are they doing today? Uh, but that now, would be great, but I think it should just be the whole cast. It's like, Herkuma Hermolka died. <laughs> or show like the, the post-ape attack Herkuma where he's just hamburger helper all over the floor. Those are the Clips only good endings diamond. to movies. That or Jackie Chan style bloopers of like all the stunts that went wrong. All the times they tried to do like a sideways flip in an ape costume and just ate shit. and had to take the ape head off and then people run around. Oh God! What I wouldn't give for that footage of the apes of people learning how to flip in the ape costumes—that must be just solid gold. <laughs> but they really think we need to wrap up more, and like, so ape, Amy goes off with her new ape family, who up right. to this point have never liked her at all, but now need to embrace her. And, and it's such a great movie that they need to wrap it up. Gutenberg, lesser Gutenberg, there asks, "Will they be all right?" And Ernie Hudson says. They know what to do. It's us I'm worried about. Do they, Ernie? Yeah, like, they know no, what to there's do. no way all of those gorillas died. They all got volcano. Why would like, you was an exploding that? volcano. I'm, trust me, wild apes know what to do in case of volcano, <laughs> is what Ernie Hudson said to the ape expert, and he believed it. <laughs> He's like, this guy knows. <laughs> he knew about those monkeys at fuck at midnight. Uh, <laughs> Laura calls Jodon Baker back. And remember, Joe Don Baker is supposed to pretend that he cares about Bruce Campbell. And he's like, did you get the 
diamonds. Shut the fuck up. Did you get the diamonds? <laughs> he doesn't even and try. He's like, oops. He kind of gave it away. And so she's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this diamond to shoot down the company satellite with a laser for, for Charlie, for Bruce Campbell. And like this, it's just uh, uh, see, now that, like, say, that scene like on the plane her, her, pays off. Yeah, her shooting that laser or her shooting the satellite with the laser from Earth, just like looking up and knowing well, she, where they, to th- hit it. They threw it in that like she'll put in the satellite's phone number or something. Like, yeah, she can target <laughs> anything. That Michael Crichton, number. yada, yada. The, the sec- other thing about Michael Crichton is in the second half of his book, all of the science is much more yada, yada than the first half. And so like, yeah, yeah I'm going to put in the satellite dish's phone number and the laser will aim right at it uh, and shoot it. Also, uh, it seems like Michael Crichton would know that blowing up a satellite creates a lot of debris that's going to blow up seven or eight other satellites. It's going to blow up seven or eight space stations. And, you know, it's not a great idea. It's This is like a disgruntled Tesla employee, like blowing up a couple of blocks of Palo Alto while they quit. It's just fucking crazy. It's way too much, Laura Linney. Uh, so it's um, I think that's why she signed up was for the to blow up the like to laser the no, space station. It was lasering the apes, hundred <laughs> percent. She had to read the know. fifteen pages of script that were just detailing how and which apes are lasered and why, and, and into what pieces. And then fucking volcano comes by and she's like, and I get I get to do all of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, I would. If I were her, I, yeah. I would have signed up for this movie for sure. under those circumstances. Where I blast capitalism out of the sky with my fucking repurposed volcano diamond laser ape, and I get to work alongside Ernie Hudson, who's using Sean Connery's lines, but with weird stuff about him being black added on weirdly to the end of every shit. sentence. Okay, okay. Uh, I do love this ending because it's like the last three human survivors from like a party of forty-eight. And they like they get in a balloon and they just start floating off into the unknown. They're like, hey, there's wind, so we'll probably be fine. But they're floating over airspace where they shoot down everything, no questions asked, hoping yes. to get back to a world where they face any number of criminal charges from hijacking military equipment to destroying millions of dollars worth of property. Certainly to some ape gorilla napping. molesting. Yeah. <laughs> murder. They don't know that they didn't murder all those people. They just show up in a hot air balloon and are like, oh yeah, there's uh, these crazy killer gorillas that uh-huh. are maybe some humans fucked them in the past and now, now they're super smart. Stop. They have no proof of that. Stop <laughs> adding in the thing about humans fucking them, Gutenberg. We ne- <laughs> Nobody else saw that. You're th- you, just, you just started insisting. Just any, any movie that ends with everybody floating away in a hot air balloon is perfect, but there's one more thing. One more thing they do. Uh, do you remember? It's a, some, is somebody else going to run over the very last thing they do in this movie? I don't even know what you're referring to. They, do they show the apes? No, they, they show Amy they, and the apes. Is that- they look at the multi-million dollar super rare diamond and are like, eh, who needs oh, yeah. this thing? And oh, Steve right. Gutenberg whips it off into the jungle and Ernie Hudson says, ouch. Also, they can end on a little quick laugh. That's yeah, like why would they not give that to Ernie Hudson or like put it towards more ape research with the ape research guy? <laughs> right. There are so many good things they could have done with that diamond instead of just chuck it into the jungle. Right. Well, see, there's are a they l- expecting us to believe that like oh, the only thing anyone would do with that diamond was make ape killing lasers, and that we shouldn't have ape killing <laughs> lasers. That's all it's good oh, for. And if we bring it back home, we're gonna annihilate every goddamn ape just because we can. <laughs> Now, I mentioned earlier that Congo cost $50 million to film and banked $152 million, and there should have been just endless ripoffs of Congo after this. 
Uh, maybe one of the reasons there wasn't was in that hot air balloon scene when they tossed the diamond out, that, that special diamond that was lent to them by Herkimer Mines, so rare they named a main character after the mine uh-huh. just in thanks for letting no. them borrow it. Uh, they really did yeet it right out of a hot air balloon and fucking lost it in the jungle forever. It was oh never, God. it was never recovered. So you know what oh, this means, right? Amazing. We have to arrange a 1-900 hot dog <laughs> Congo treasure hunt Real and I Congo call drunken cyber ape. Einstein hunted Frankfurt. Ladies and gentlemen, from Gladiator Arena here in beautiful Dank Knob, Kentucky, Poxco Productions presents The Supreme Gladiators. Three Finger Louie, Aaron Croston, also called Cincinnati Spank, Adrian H., Aiden Moat, Alpha Scientist Javo, Ron Andy, also known as Flip Hammer, Andreas Larson, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyronin. Bim Talzer, also known as Blip Hammer. Brian Saylor. Brianne Whitney. Brockway loves the meat millie, you know he does. Sarah. Red. Chris Brower, sworn enemy of Flip Hammer. Curious Glare. Dan B. Dean Costello. Donald Finney. Dr. Awkward. Eric Spaulding. Fancy Shark, sworn enemy of Flip Hammer. Jellaho, Hambone, Paraka, Hot Fart, Jaber Al Aiden, Jacob Thornburg, James Boy, sworn enemy of Flip Hammer, who he's mistaken for Flip Hammer. Nobody tell him. Jeff Horaski, Jeremy Neal, John Dean, John McCammon, John Minkoff, Josh Fabian, sworn enemy of Josh Fabian, Josh S, Ken Paisley. K&M, Laziest Man on Mars, Matt Riley, also known as The Laser Stranger, Michael Lair, Michael Wells, also known as The Flaming Neighbor, Enemy of The Laser Stranger, Mickey Lohman, Mike Stiles, also called Style Mike, Moju, Sworn Enemy of Style Mike, ND, Sworn Enemy of Style Mike, Neil Bailey, Sworn Enemy of Let's just assume, if not explicitly called out, everyone is a sworn enemy of Style Mike. Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H. Ozzy Olin thinks Style Mike is just okay. Patrick Herbst, Rain Vargas, Rhiannon, Sarkovsky, Spotty Reception, Ted H. The H stands for I Hate You, Style Mike. Timmy Leahy, Toasty Guy, Tom Sekula. Tommy G, Waylon Russell, currently seeking a sworn enemy, inquire within. Yosarian, and Brandon Garlock, universally beloved with no known enemies except for 
Insulin Resistance. I'll see you in the Battlesphere, Insulin Resistance!